Okay, so the implication is that Cotton Weary plays stab games with his girlfriend because Apparently. she brings it up thing. like it's not like this is a thing that's happened. This is before. not weird. Yeah, do you think he just goes like with a voice thing, or do you think he has the full get up? So we have to assume that in the world, okay, <laughs> I've given this some thought. Do do tell in the universe Dalton string theory of Scream. Coming. Yeah, this is the only slasher franchise that I'm a completionist on, and like have had time to think about. I'm the actually rules. not a completionist. I am. Yeah. yeah. So I've got in the world of Scream, the Woodsboro murders are mm-hmm. a real true crime thing that happened and had a movie made about them. So presumably the voice changer that makes you sound like Roger Jack... What is Roger Jackson? Is that the voice of Ghostface? I can't think of his name. But presumably like that's a, a popular Halloween item. Like That's just a thing that's out in the world that you right. can get. Yeah. So I'm sure like Cotton has a voice changer that he's used. Uh, I obviously got on record about this and will probably not be able to shut up about it on this episode. I really do hate that the voice changer in this movie is like the face maker from Mission Impossible. You can just sound like anybody. Right. Kind of ruins the rules of these movies, truly. Yeah. Uh, but again, just the implication, she's like, I'm no more stab games, Cotton. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? I, I, that <laughs> like, is. What are these games? <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> Also, it is very funny that in the interim between Screams 2 and 3, Cotton Weary became has, a talk show became host. Became a talk show host. Like, that's how he parlayed his, his fame was into, like, After, Jerry yeah, Springer. Called 100% Cotton, so which funny. is hilarious. Such a good Cotton joke. Weary is still an all-time movie name so for me. Good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm right there with you. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, Boo Radley, Cotton Weary. I mean, it's well, like all-time fiction names, he really. Doesn't, yeah. He has to have a memorable name, because like, he appears in like one shot of TV news footage in the first movie, and yeah. that's it. Yeah. So you have to like have kind of a punchy, kind of memorable a name. name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he presumably used the Diane Sawyer interview mm-hmm. he must have gotten after Scream 2 yeah. with, with Sid uh, to get this talk show, which is truly the American tale of fame. I oh, mean, yeah. You just backstumble your way into a daytime talk show well hey i mean you know who has a daytime talk show now is the first person to ever appear on screen in a screen movie drew baymore that's right baby true facts true facts well hello everybody and welcome again to the good trash honor cast where we gather around a table and we discuss the films you'll never discuss in film stays course this uh week we are continuing our marathon part three's part tray in which we are looking at the third entries in franchises uh this week's film is wes craven's scream three or scream three Scrithrim. 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 I don't know. Sounds like a condition. (laughs) It could be a condition. Um, Perhaps the movie itself is a condition. We'll find out in a little bit. Um, But I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I am still Dalton. Or am I? I could be anybody with this voice changer. You you either die a screen legend or you live long (laughs) enough to see yourself become a TV show host. That's right. (laughs) Um, In case you're tuning into the show for the very first time, this is an analysis show, not a review show. And that does mean we will spoil the film. So we will find out. We will reveal who the killer is. By how many ghosts face are in this one? We'll tell you. Yes, we will. We will. Yes. How many, how, many, how many faces could a ghost One, face uh, face? Uh, a ghost uh, face uh, could face? Two. Ah, ah, ah. Wow. Uh, so we will get to that, but we will avoid it for the first part of the show in case you have not caught Scream 3 and you are on the way to watching it because 
because of the recent reboot that came out. And so you might be working your way through the trilogy and finding your way through podcasts. So this is what it looks like, the reprieve that we provide you um, as this show gets progressively more and more spoilerific. We begin with the synopsis, which will be like what you would have read to decide whether or not you're going to watch this movie or not. Uh, then we'll have thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, which will be like what you read to find out whether you're going to watch this movie or not. We might talk a little bit more plot, but not much. Then we move on to a game called Expand the Syllabus, where we're going to talk about things that might be happening in this movie and the way in which they relate to other films and texts, which could be a mild spoiler. Then we move on to a game, uh, not a game, The Thing. The Thing, the business, the analysis. There'll be music that says we've gotten down to business, and that's when all spoiler bets are off. Does that make sense to you, Arthur? Do you understand what's happening now? Let me pitch this. Okay. Okay. Sesame Scream. <laughs> okay, so yeah, he's he's sort of been in his own little world over there, but he's been really cooking in the kitchen. Uh, so I think it's worse. <laughs> he's he's really bringing the important questions Sunny to the table. Days, chasing ghosts, face away. There yeah, it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, what the hell is this movie about, Arthur? <laughs> Please give the synopsis. Well, following the events of Woodsboro and Windsor College, a young director has entered the production on the third entry in the Stab franchise, which is based on those events. However, seeing soon come to a grinding halt as a new murderer emerges to rewrite the movie in a quest to find Sidney Prescott and expose the hidden skeletons in her closet. You know, they don't really ever talk about how, like, at the premiere of the first Stab film, there was a horrific double there murder. There was a murder. A horrific double murder. I mean, it's a byline in the uh, in 2, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a headline. Yeah. They yeah. mention it. But I mean, that's kind of the press you'd want, right? In sure. 90... Nine two thousand one. I mean, when does this one come out? Uh, this uh, one comes out in oh one. I okay. think the second one's second yeah, it's like, like ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah, yeah. Two thousand is this one. Oh, this is two thousand. Okay, yeah. I mean, this really well, does have February two thousand. Yeah, I mean, and it really has big aughts energy. I mean, in terms oh, yeah. of like very late nineties, but also like new millennium, new Ghostface baby. Exactly. Yeah, the lighting is bad now. <laughs> it's not the nineties anymore, and you can tell. Because... I tell you what, though, that Hollywood shot. When when we open, I mean, it feels cinematic in a way. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, you know, they mentioned at some point bigger, bolder. What I mean, it fills that. It does immediately. have like scope. Yeah, yeah, in a way, the others. I mean, the others on a back lot, and this one, we get some shots of a Hollywood like real skyline. LA. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, it's very little. Yeah, we do get Cotton's car chase little thing though. It's just kind, kind of, of fun. fun. Yeah, start to the movie. I love Cotton Weary. Yeah, I, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of uh, of a. Uh, Leaf, oh Schreiber. My God. Leaf Schreiber, yeah. thank you. I kept, I was kept thinking Pablo. I was like, no, not his brother. Yeah, Leaf Schreiber had been been a fan for a long time, and he's so good. He like didn't have much to do, but he's like a really good combination of like wormy and sympathetic as mm. Cotton. Yeah, which is just great. Yeah, hard hard needle to thread, and I think he does it really well. But here's the real question, guys: Do you like the movie? Well, there's That's, no bad scream movies, Dustin. There are no bad scream movies. However, where it, how much do you like this? I guess perhaps in comparison to the others, I go to you first, Dalton, for that question exactly. I mean, it's number six, and it's not close. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it is the worst scream movie. There are no bad scream movies, though, and I stand by that. This is a fun whodunit. It's kind of Kung Fu Panda three in that sense. It's it, it it's the worst out of a pretty good lot. Yeah, yeah, sure, I, exactly that. Yeah, I, you know, uh, for me, a big part of it is the rule breaking thing. I just the the voice changer was a big misstep. <laughs> I don't like it. And I miss Kevin Williamson. You and know who Cinema Sins this week? I know. It's, it's, this week it's me. And I just, I hate it. It's just weird. And <laughs> That's it, the new game we play. <laughs> yeah. Who's, who's being the most Cinema Sinsy? Uh, yeah, I can't get over it. But I like Ghostface motives in this one. I think they're interesting. There's a retcon that I'm not totally on board with. 
that that aspect of it I'm kind of iffy on, but as like a, a general motive for a ghost face, I think this film has one of the more compelling ones, and I think the rewatchability for this one is is really high because when you know what's going on, like Ghostface breeds is like super petulant in a way that I think is really fun for this movie. And again, that's what I like about this franchise is there's so much personality to Ghostface each time because you get a new Ghostface every movie. You get a new whodunit and uh, who doesn't love a whodunit. And you know what's even more fun? What what if every whodunit had like a bunch of slasher murders <laughs> scenes? Uh, cool. I agree more. I agree with my own idea. More whodunits should have horrific murder scenes sprinkled throughout them. Take notes, Ryan Johnson. You've got you've got a third Glass Onion movie for Netflix. You know, just thought. Go full stab. Yeah, go full scream. Stabby, stabby, stab. Well, he already directed Stab Eight, according to Scream Five. That's true. He did. Uh, Made all the fanboys mad. He did. That's a really funny joke. That's a good bit. Have you seen any of the new Screams, Dustin? No. Yeah. So you've just seen the West Craven Four? Yes. Okay. I've I've seen Screamform. Yes. Screamform. I mean, good one. That's I like a good that one, one a lot. That's yeah. like top three, probably. Yeah, it's a really. A That's hoot. a really good one. Uh, and again, this this one's fine. I you miss Kevin Williamson uh, a lot for me. The screenwriter on this one, uh, I'm not really familiar with his body of work, but it definitely kind of feels like an eleventh hour. Somebody coming in to like, all right, we need a new. We can't get Kevin. And I remember doing some reading on why he couldn't work on this movie. There's some like scheduling issue or. I don't know, some contract dispute or something. I can't remember if he didn't want to come back or they wouldn't pay him what he was due. But yeah, for whatever reason, it didn't work out that he was able to work on this movie. Mm. And uh, it hurts the film a lot. But, you know, I think Wes Craven's still pretty much in his bag. You know, the the suspense sequences all work really well. And, you know, even though he's already done his Boy, I Hate This Fucking Town movie with New Nightmare in 95, I think this film, like, still... You know, he's done two screen movies already, so he's kind of been able to pull out that thread of, like, how he feels about the movie-making business a little bit on those preceding two films. And I think in this film, he really gets to take another stab at it, you know, (laughs) pun intended or whatever. Um, He he gets to have another go at at, at doing his Hollywood satire. And while I... I know there's there's a little bit more interest to me in New Nightmare because it's getting the weird, like, you know, semiotics and, you know kind of the weird like what do we create and how does that impact the real world mm-hmm. life imitates art art imitates life kind of this weird feedback loop thing going on a new nightmare i think is really cool and interesting we don't quite have that in scream three but we got like a real thesis statement about the town and like wes is really like this is a place full of bad people who get rewarded for being bad people and this town chews people up and ruins their lives and like changes the Total, the complete trajectory of their life and has very little regard for the baggage or destruction that like mm. is left in its wake. And uh, as a, as a poison love letter to, to the business, I think this is a really solid movie. And uh, again, when you have a franchise that has like movies within the text, you think you have to go to Hollywood for at least one of them. And I would not be surprised if in scream seven, we are going back to Hollywood. It would make sense if they're kind of continuing their riffs on yeah. the, the previous sequels. Yeah. Uh, you know, it would make sense, but uh, yeah, I, I think this, this really works. And um, I don't want to say too much more because as you said, we're trying to stay spoiler free for the first part of the show. Correct. And I we're think, being kind. Yeah. I think there's some good spoilers in this one. And thematically, this film really opens up when you know what happens. So yeah. I think we'll move it along and say, Arthur, I know you also are a big scream head. Uh, how does this rate for you? Uh, I actually really like this one. I, I might say it's top three for me. Oh, wow. I, okay. I really do enjoy it. Um, 
I think it's just so much fun. You know, I, I the voice changer thing does, but it it works for me because in a way of you've got to evolve. You know, sure. as a as a killer, like you, mm-hmm. how can I make him scarier? Mm-hmm. And now I can't trust anybody, mm-hmm. and so that kind of stuff works for me. I don't, you know, not too bothered by that. The retcon stuff at the end is not enough to. Det- it, it's kind of eh, but it doesn't detract enough for me. I just have so much fun with this one. I, I like that it's about a full hour before Sydney really gets into the story, and I like that this one, but seems to become much more focused on her kind of PTSD and trauma mm-hmm. and reckoning that with this kind of like ghost story that emerges with her character and her arc here. Um, and she still gets to have so much fun. It's just being you know, the great thing I think about the screen movies is one ghost face, no matter who's under the mask is always a putz. Yeah. Uh, he's just somehow effective by somehow just getting on top at the right time. Uh, he gets knocked down a lot, ran through stuff a lot, you know, side derailed a lot. Uh, and, and so there's something fun about that. Uh, but the way I think Sid proves to be as resourceful as she is throughout the franchise is also really fun. She's, I think, just a great final girl. The definitive 21st century final girl. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I think Nev Campbell's so good here. I, I think it's probably her best work in, in the franchise here. I, I think it's David Arquette's worst. Uh, yeah, I like the Dewey franchise. the least in this one. Yeah, yeah. Just, I don't know what it is, and I don't know that I buy him as like simpering, like yeah. L.A. wannabe. You yeah, know? it is a weird, mm-hmm. yeah, like playing puppy to uh, uh, Parker Posey, who's who is just great, dude, just yeah. knocking it out of the park here. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> but respect for my president. Yeah, we <laughs> love mean, we love Parker. Just kill the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I, you know what? I really Courtney Cox is such a good heel. Sure, she's so good as as. A bad guy. Well, it's just like a fun recurring bit. Like she's yeah. re- the, the idea that Gail like keeps alienating all of her friends between movies. For <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, she just like cannot give up the dragon. Uh, man, I, I really do enjoy this one. I, I like you know setting it in Hollywood. Getting you know a lot more. of The satire is more straightforward because it is just like here's how the city operates. Mm-hmm. It's not like explaining all the rules. We do get the like token Randy appearance because we need it. Mm-hmm. I guess to be a scream movie, and I think that's kind of where this thing is. It feels less like a scream movie. We don't get the big cold open with celebrities. I mean, we get a much more personal one with Cotton Weary. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a lot of the same kind of meta commentary until that moment with Randy. It really feels much more straightforward satire, and then framing it with this sort of trauma story of Sydney, who's reckoning with the blood trail that has followed her from Woodsboro to Windsor College now to wherever she is in her remote location. Um, so I really just dig this one. I think, you know, it's bigger. Uh, Patrick Dempsey, uh, McDreamy getting to show up is fun. He's good. Uh, yeah. You know, we get some fun uh, dimension cameo. I mean, Jan's on Bob showing up is such a 2000s bit. Mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher showing up is such a 2000s bit. Like, so wild that that happens. It makes zero sense to audiences today if you don't know who any of those people are yeah very uh, of its time like jokes you're so right but the there, there's a real meta-ness to the carrie fisher one that works so well mm-hmm. you know i think and so i appreciate that about it um the fact that the second half of this movie turns into clue uh was Ghostface is also a lot of fun uh as they're just running around this mansion with secret passages so and funny. all sorts of gonzo <clears throat> stuff uh it's it's a good time i i 
really do. I think that again, I think this is more rewatchable uh, than some of the other sequels. I I know a lot of people like two, but I don't know. I like two. Yeah, two. I, since we're talking about it, the bugbear that I have with two is that it like wants to have a commentary about how slasher movies treat black characters, and then like really whiffs it. Like it yeah. like tries to acknowledge it and then just does the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it also has like for my money the set piece of maybe the set piece of the franchise which is the big car chase in part two that like ends with somebody getting impaled and they have to sneak past an unconscious ghost face yeah like yeah really cool shit but yeah i'm a lover of two but i I see what you like about three like three's got a lot to love two's got that emotional payoff with randy yeah without saying with any more than that but yeah, yeah big it, time it really does pay off there emotionally well I think. it's where you, you get the real heat between Do- dewey and gail mm-hmm. like it's, it's where they their the, their relationship heats up so you got some of the sexual chemistry like mm-hmm. kind of helping juice the movie along and again like that fake out with dewey is like really dramatically compelling mm-hmm. well and two feels like much more of a direct continuation of one sure, in a way yeah. that three doesn't i i, I three yeah. is rewired in a way, and it may be because, you know, Kevin Williamson's gone mm-hmm. or whatever it is, kind of structuring it this way that Sydney's such a non factor mm-hmm. until the back half of the movie. And I know there were some scheduling issues with uh, Nev Campbell, yeah. apparently, but I think it works. I think yeah, it's I in too. the movie's favor. I think it really allows everything else to kind of breathe until we get her in there. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I like Scream 3. I know, I mean, this is probably the most divisive sequel, mm-hmm. uh, you know, looking at Letterboxd and kind of seeing the, the spread of one and a half, two stars to, you know, four stars, uh, across the kind of friends group. Mm. Uh, so I think that's cool, but I'm, I'm pro screaming three and I am also pro. There are no bad screen movies. Hell yeah, baby. I am also a team. No bad screen movies. Um, having not seen three of them, but I'm going to go with that. You haven't seen four either. I've seen four, but I haven't seen five, six or seven's not out yet. Seven's not out yet. You've just seen five and six. I haven't seen five and six. So I've only missed two. But I six will, whips, dude. Six is so good. I am willing to contend that you're correct. Um, based on my trust of it's you. Ghostface takes but Manhattan, thing. and they do it well. <laughs> five is also very good. Five's pretty good. Like but I'm kind of mixed on real- five, but six is just like unquestionably got some of the best set pieces in the franchise. Hundred percent. Yeah. But even if I were just using the first four, I mean, yeah, it is. Is it fourth of four? Yes, but fourth of four good ones. So I'm there. You know, the, again, there are no bad screen movies. I like it, and uh, I I enjoy what's going on. I I love the idea of there being simultaneous characters that you have actors who are playing the characters for the movie, you know, the stab movie that's being made. And so mm-hmm. you've got this sort of parallelism going on uh, throughout. I think that's really really fun. Um, I I think it's too long. I, 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 I'm just, a, I'm a little, you know, I'm, I like a tight 90, especially with my horror. Doesn't need to necessarily be two hours and five minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I don't know where you'd clip and what you'd clip, but it just, I, I, I got a little antsy sitting. And I was like, okay, this is, you know, I, I mean, I also mm-hmm. did know the whodunit of it all. And and so I don't mm-hmm. know with this film, unlike the other ones, the the reveal so much hinges on it in that first experience, unlike one, two, and four, that the reveal's fine and the reveal's good, but the the, the fun is, they're, they're, I just I had less fun, I guess, is what I would say. I mean, and again, this is this is me liking the movie and just saying I, it doesn't sure. quite work as well for me for that. Also, Courtney Cox's bangs, <laughs> ah, that's a choice. That's a, that, that 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 loses a half star right there. I'm a um, lot warmer on this one. On or like I've revisited this film twice this year, and definitely from the last time I saw it, I'm a lot warmer. Maybe the may- first time I watched this as an adult, I really didn't go for the reveal at the end, mm-hmm. and this time I was both of these 
more recent rewatches, I was a little more keyed in. Yeah. Those bangs are a bad idea, though. <laughs> they are very bad. The Bob um, and Two is a much better look. The Bob and Two is great. Yeah, the Bob and Two is. The red pretty, highlights? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. Great. I'm there for that. Her and Parker Posey running around together is so funny. It's, I love That's that. That's the movie I need. Yeah. I love that so much, you know? And just, the, you know, sort of making fun of, like, making this dopey version of it. I'm going to be a better Gail Weathers than you, though, is yeah. also a fun <laughs> yeah, approach. Yeah. My Gail wouldn't do that. Yeah. And and it, all of that stuff really, really works. Oh, and me. Patrick I, Warburton. <laughs> oh, my God. Warburton. We yeah. haven't even talked about him I yet. I love him. I Peter. Peter Ghostface is here. <laughs> I, I do feel like the character's done wrong, but uh, I mean, I'm okay with it. I mean, it's fine because I mean, you got to have cannon fodder, I guess. But anyway, uh, that that all really, really works uh, for me. And uh, Red Right Hand, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Um, it's in all the movies, but it's like an alternate cut of it. Yeah, like, it does seem different. It's just like lyrics that I have only ever heard in this version of the like song. It's specifically about Scream or something. Yeah, yeah. But man, I'm 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 there. This is a good song. That's a good it's recurring motif throughout song. the series. Yeah, um, we we heard it a lot in the office this week, and I'm not mad about that. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, it works. It, it, it's it is the the least rewarding of uh, of an entirely rewarding series if that makes sense so our biases dear listener if you're listening at home are generally pro we like this movie quite a bit um but we like other movies more and that's okay too unless you're arthur and arthur likes it more than the rest of us and that's okay too so with that uh we move on to the next part of our show which is expanding the syllabus and dalton's going to explain what that's all about I will do that right now. Explaining the syllabus is a thought experiment wherein we, the dumb people talking in your ears right now, try to sound really smart. <laughs> and we're going to do that by saying, hey, you could teach Scream 3 academically and here's how you do it. Uh, that's what we do every week. We take the films uh, or the, the week's assigned viewing and we try to uh, integrate it into a fictional uh, academic setting, uh, a class that would feature the, the film, the, the week's film. And, you know, and pull in other films in its orbit, pull in, you know, other articles, uh, other ideas, and just generally try to take a film that maybe at first blush doesn't seem like it bears uh, academic discourse and, you know, try to change your minds about that a little bit. That's that's what this part is. That sounds about right. Um, Hey, do you have a syllabus ready? Yeah, but I'm kind of cheating this week. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Look, you just got to. It's a class about Scream. It's it's the post. post Sign me up. Yeah, (laughs) I'm there. Uh, it's the post and then the post post modern slasher franchise. Uh, it starts off in 96 comes out of the gate so strong doing this sort of, you know, riff on slashers that Craven had already kind of taken a swing at in 95 when he did new nightmare. And it really feels like he's maybe like in a, a new creative, like Zenith. Because he, I mean, he makes these two films back to back and just like I, two of the best films he ever did for my money. And again, I, I obviously, you know, came, became aware of these films uh, in the 90s when they were released. Uh, a child way too young to be watching Scream or New Nightmare, but still going, holy shit, this rules. <laughs> and I've had both of these films stick with me ever since. And I think what's so interesting is by the time you get to the second half of the Scream franchise, four, five, and six, you really have entered into a fully post-post-modern milieu because you can't keep making Scream movies without acknowledging that Scream movies have changed slasher movies forever. And uh, that's kind of maybe the biggest problem with 3 is by 2000, the impact of these films like is already being felt. And it feels like Scream 3 doesn't quite know how to reckon with what a big deal these movies are. Certainly not in the ways that I think 4, 5, and 6 like kind of appreciate what a monumental 
you know, juggernaut this has become. And again, that's less obvious with three, right? You know, mm-hmm. you've, you've got one and two come out, make a ton of money, but you know, you don't get the immediate success off of two where you're like, we've got to get a sequel ready next year. You know, it doesn't have the quite the same kind of uh, explosive, you know, zeitgeist taking over success of the first scream. So you get a couple years delay, you know, and obviously there's shit going on with Weinstein's throughout this era. So there's a lot working against this film, but I think it is so important in, and just like this larger franchise, because it's the, the one that is the most about film production mm-hmm. and it is the one that is like most, you know, directly concerned with the internal like history of, of the screen franchise. And that is a world in which like the, there has been a, a serial copycat serial murder that's been going on periodically for the last like 25 years and wild. Yeah. And, and and that is the truth of the scream franchise universe. And within that universe, scream three is the film that is like the most about the profiting off of these real life murders. And like, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? Why would we do that? Why, why would we even allow someone to do this? What does it mean for the people who are really involved? And, uh, again, this is the one that kind of gets like into the, uh, simulacra simulation, like really kind of heady bullshit that you, if you want to go down that road, Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have to, but because you've got, as you said, Dustin, you've got the people playing themselves or the, the actors playing the real life characters. And then you've got Dewey and, uh, Sid and Gail there for real alongside their on-screen counterparts. Uh, and then of course you have the 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 layer removed out of it's all fictional of course so it just it really is kind of where things start getting kind of heady in a fun way uh and and really the films only kind of continue that you know whether it's uh, i forget who wrote four but uh whether it's craven coming back for a fourth film or the radio silence team on five and six like i think three is sort of the the moment where this franchise like starts to kind of evolve into what it has become which is like post postmodern because it had to it had to evolve into a, a, another thing after the success of the first two films and while i don't know that this film is like entirely successful it's the beginning of something that i think by the time like especially four and six which for my money are two of the really strongest sequels in this franchise i think they, those are the ones that kind of have like really figured out like what is scream's place in pop culture and how do we reckon with that and still try to make an effective slasher film? Uh, to me, this is the one that's like the least successful as a slasher movie. And that's a big part of like, it can't quite figure out how to do both. It can't quite do the Hollywood satire. And I think you're right, Arthur, the clue element that kind of comes in in the mansion is very fun, but you know, it doesn't quite get it all across the line for me. Uh, but again, I, I think it's just such an interesting franchise and uh, my, my favorite slasher franchise with, uh, with number one with a bullet. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. What do you say, Arthur? Um, what, what syllabus do you bring for Scream? Yeah, I think we would lean into that sort of poison love letter slash the seedy underbelly, you know, where dreams go to fizzle element of Hollywood. Uh, I think we'd start uh, with Billy Wilder and we'd take a look at Sunset Boulevard. Um, they are one with the forgotten star, but also the man's quest for fame as mm-hmm. a, a writer and the way in which the Hollywood is not necessarily the place where dreams are made uh, unless you're one of the lucky or unlucky few, depending on how uh, that career gets established. Uh, so we'd start there and then we'd jump ahead quite a bit uh, and we'd take a look at Mulholland Drive, I think as well, uh, framing it against L.A. and Hollywood Mm -hmm. and looking at uh, Lynch's take on 
uh, these starlets gone west. Uh, from that, uh, we look at Scream 3, uh, and then we take a look at Damien Chazelle's Babylon, Yeah, uh, I think, and look at the ways in which, uh, again, the, the machine uh, uses people, spits them out uh, when they are no longer... Uh, useful or beneficial uh, in their eyes, and and you know uh, the margin profit profit margins eyes, and and the way in which that story is very sad and very tragic for most people who go to Hollywood to seek fame and fortune, um, and something else that you know gets spoken to in Scream Three is these sort of nefarious dealings that take place for for many uh, women who go west. And so I think we'd get meta with it and we would take a look at um, She Said mm, from mm. last year and then reckon with Harvey Weinstein and Miramax and and what all of that looks like and means and try to re- wrestle with some of that. And, you know, it's, it's the one expose on a largely historic, unfortunate tradition of Hollywood and the the web that is weaved beneath the the surface of that town. Yeah, it's one that's you know spoken to I think really effectively in Scream Three. Yeah, I yeah. think so. So I think that's what we do with it. We just take a look at a few movies. We talk about uh, sort of poison love letter idea, and you know the Dream Factory wasn't necessarily a uh, Dream Factory, mainly just a factory. Yeah, and and factories are not safe or hospitable to most people. Correct, correct. Very good, very good. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. I think my favorite part of all the Scream movies has always been Jamie Kennedy explaining the rules. Uh, And so when I'm going to do a syllabus, I want to talk... It's the Jamie Kennedy syllabus. (laughs) Well, it's... um, If I was doing a horror film course and we were taking a module on the slasher, I would use all the Jamie Kennedy bits to talk about the rules because I think that is a lot of fun. Yeah. And to think about that and then use that to parlay into conversations about um, Nightmare on Elm Street, about Friday the 13th, about Halloween, about those other things as they occur. And so I, I, that's that to me would be the, the best way I think you could help students see what's going on. Now, again, these movies existed and were made at a time in the late 90s where we still were at the end game of unified culture because i guarantee you right now you could show these rules to somebody uh you know who is a 20 some odd year old college student and i don't think they would have a lot of connective tissue to this like okay so this is the rules for these kind of movies i don't really know you know i i I don't i don't see that without the additional okay so let's talk about nightmare let's talk about friday Mm -hmm. let's talk about you know some of these other earlier slashers um, that is uh, sort of being used, and again, Psycho being an interesting text for this. I think the the last movie I might use, though, um, uh, in, in in comparison with that, but between your nightmares and that, and Psychos, is uh, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Nice. And, yeah. and, and, and think about the way in which that subverts and continues on, and the way in which subversion from Scream becomes a new rule. And uh, that itself has changed the rules of the slasher franchise. You're gonna love Scream Five and Six, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, just all, all everything you're saying. I'm like, I can't wait for you to meet Mindy and Chad. You're gonna love them. I don't, care, care. I don't care. I don't care for anybody called Chad. You're gonna like them. No. You will. You will. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. You're gonna the like twins. Them. The twins are great. The... Okay. I I, I, oh, I made a, I made a stink face, but yeah, we'll, Randy we'll... has a niece and nephew who are twins. <gasps> 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You, okay. Yeah, they, they sure, they like a sequel to the shit out of Screams 5 and 6. Okay. I'm all right with that. You're going to love it. All right. Well, there you go, dear listener. Your syllabus just got much longer, but I believe now is time we get down to business. Trilogy (laughs) or franchise, this movie posits that the rules are trilogy rules, and yet it's a franchise. I I don't know if I have a lot to say about that, but have you guys thought about positioning this movie in within the rules that Randy gives? I mean, I I do think intentionally it, it was the final chapter for a long time, you know, and about ten years. Yeah, it really. I think, you know, Craven finally saw enough patterns and reboot. I mean, there's really a time in, and I think this is the one franchise where you could put it away for a good decade or longer and really come back to it because of the way movies change, evolve, yeah. trends change and evolve. And I think that's what we've kind of seen with it. I'm then that's kind of my I think concern right now with uh the current slate is, you know, how do you keep this going with what it's intentional, you know, initially intended to be? But I, I mean, I think the rules as written, I think apply mostly. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. bigger. It's you know, I mean, immediately it sets that stage as superhuman, all no. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't remember all those rules. I know that's a rule. Anything goes, which is the one thing the, it doesn't. The past do, comes right? back to bite you. It's I mean, sort of the, the gothic thing. We that don't it does. lose any of our, you know, no, our tr- our, our trifecta, our trinity. Well, like, and that's a thing that this no franchise. How, I mean. Talk about supernatural. Yeah. Uh, Courtney Cox and David Arquette are just inhuman. Well, I love the joke in Scream 2 where, like, they're chart carting Dewey away, and they, they say that he only survived because they stabbed him in old scar tissue, which <laughs> is really funny. <laughs> but, yeah, this the, the Scream franchise has a hard time killing anybody because it loves its characters. It's, it's kind yeah. of like the only slasher franchise that has a core team that kind of recurs throughout. And yeah. so it, it has to figure out how to manage that aspect of the franchise. And I think six is the first film to number one, like really drop the ball on figuring out how to split the difference there, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, your mileage may vary uh, for me. It doesn't bother me quite so much, but this isn't about six. Well, that, but, that love of its characters thing that yeah. it does, you know, we replace ghost faces every time <clears throat> we have a new movie and it is about Cindy Prescott and her, you know, Scooby gang of mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. And that, that's that subversion there makes me think a lot about the subversion that is twin peaks, mm-hmm. right? Which is the murder okay. of the week TV yeah. show in which it, the murder of it becomes the entire season. It's all about the impact of the family and friends of this woman who was, who was killed. Yeah there and and i i think lynch and um craven are doing a similar kind of subversion here that is really interesting because i mean one of the things that got off the rails with nightmare i think for craven's aesthetics or tastes or ethics or whatever it is is how it all became about you know superhero freddy mm-hmm. that that's who we cared about um that's why mm. he's the uh, he's the director when the third uh, installment comes out he brings back heather langenkamp you know, to, mm-hmm. to, to, you know, because that's the kind of thing he wants to subvert there. And I think in that sense, the series does do that because who we follow is not Jason. Who we follow is not Freddie. Who we follow is not Michael. Who we follow is, again, Sydney and co. And that's that's different, you mm-hmm. know, in, in, in this kind of series than it would we'd see in other slashers. Yeah, I mean, Halloween kind of retconned that with their recent, you know, 
timeline, whatever is going on in that world. Yeah. Right. To make it more about Curtis, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Carrot Laurie and the Strodes. This is the Halloween He's, verbs. Yeah. Ones, right? Yeah. Halloween and Halloween kills and Halloween yeah. continues or something. Um, and it's so weird because you've got H2O. And then H forty. Yeah, it's 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 been reset a couple of times. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, slashers don't typically, you know, everybody gets killed. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the, that is the rule. So it is an interesting take to allow us to focus on this primary cast of characters who get to come back time. Because even again. like Friday three, what we have in Friday three, or is it Friday two? It's Friday two, where our survivor girl gets killed in the first scene of yeah. the second movie. Right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, by the way, we don't care about this. We we're going to follow a different killer yeah. now. So, which is you know, gross. I'm excited for you to get to Scream Six, just because it, it does. That's the one where it's like, oh, well, now we're a franchise. Mm-hmm. Now we're like sort of a larger media. We're an IP, yeah, and it, it kind of tries to do something with that. I don't know how successful it is. Um, that it might actually the the sort of meta components of Six are where the film struggles a little bit. But uh, I'm excited to get your thoughts on it because mm-hmm. it, it is definitely. I know it feels like in response to the the Randy scene in this film. Right. That, and I just, why I keep bringing that film up because yeah. it does like feel like they, you know, five is very much about requels and reboots and like a sequel. Yeah. So they, they know what they're doing there. And then with six, they're like, okay, well now we have to be about franchises and it, they can't quite figure out how to like differentiate There's between a, a clear leg- comment. Yeah. Being between made. a legacy sequel and a franchise. Yeah. At what point does, Cra- um, does Craven come off at five? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean he's dead. Yeah, that, that'll, that'll, that'll do it. <laughs> I, I, I knew he died. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. just wondering at That's what point he died. They come in, they dedicate it to him, but yeah, because yeah. I mean, he passed away. I think, I mean, I, I presumably him passing away is what gives the studio the juice to say, like, well, Let's maybe we again. should make another screen movie. We can do it now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think he dies like two years before four goes, five goes into production. Maybe a little bit longer, because he hasn't been dead that long, has he? Yeah, twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. So wow. a little longer than I thought. We've, yeah, we've, yeah. It's been a while. I say it's been a few years. Was Scream Four his last movie? Uh, he probably made. I a think musical. it was. It was. Yeah, that's what mm. I thought. Two thousand eleven. Oh, he made my soul to take too. I've heard, mm-hmm. I have a Blu-ray of my soul to take. I knew he oh. had, you know, because I, I knew he he didn't have like a the ward level like bad one, but I knew he had another like late in the game one that wasn't quite up to. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, he did Scream Three, and then he does Cursed, which I oh, the werewolf cold movie. Blow, yeah, yeah. And he does Red Eye, which we just watched. Yeah, I know uh, people like Red Eye. And then he did My Soul to Take. And then Screamboard. But he had a lot of Wes Craven Presents type stuff, too, yeah, I think. Yeah, Like, mm-hmm. they or whatever it was called, the shadow figures mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. I really like the people under the stairs. Oh, yeah. You need yeah, to get to I, that I, re- I really, I like it a lot. And I, I think it needs more love. Who Who is, I mean, so we, we, now that we're in spoiler territory, we can go ahead and reveal that Ghostface is a film director. Yes. Which is. Who's a, not Quentin Tarantino. No. It's Alfred Hitchcock. Hmm. Well, but he's well, yeah. Well, the, no, I'm talking about Roman. Roman is very much Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah. He's, he's you think so? He's think that's like kind of the type of third. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. Now yeah. yeah. That. No, you're, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. I see it. But yeah. you're talking. You're talking about uh, Lance Henriksen, who is very much old school Hollywood producer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hitchcock type. Yeah, and yeah. also well CD done casting happened. Lance. But yeah. Well, like literally a last one eighty three yesterday. BT Dubs. Damn. Happy birth! Happy eighty third birthday, Lance Henriksen. Wow, that's nuts. Uh, he's, I mean, is is Wes Craven like deliberately positioning that character as a Weinstein type? Like, is it that? I mean, and that's in hindsight, it's yeah, weird, he, right? Does he know? And and this is my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, what did Wes know? 
who's he trying to like is he trying to tell tell the truth like what's going on here oh, it definitely man. makes me it, like wonder you know throw a stone because every other producer is this person yeah. well which yeah. is also the yeah well, if, the they're, if they're the not tradition, a, right? if they're not a sex criminal they they are some sort of asshole probably or they know yeah. one i mean yeah. I, I really yeah. want to yeah, make west craven a superhero in all of this so they've made I, a lot of money that. yeah yeah i think you're right i i think it might just be that like there's a a, a culture of enabling you know and and hiding in this this community so but it is interesting in hindsight yeah. to because dimension was that. dimension was a uh this is a miramax, miramax yeah. right yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah miramax is the first tag that's right. When this yeah. kicks on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sure is. On the first four of them, I think, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. He, he jumped from New Line to there for the screams. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know five and six, they just do Paramount because it's, yeah. it's, yeah, there's no like delineation between Correct. Sub Studio anymore. But, uh, geez. It is an, it's very interesting to read it that way now. Yeah. So for in those hindsight. of you who, who have not seen Scream 3 in a long time or didn't bother to watch it for this homework, I guess now we should tell you what's going on. Yes. Uh, Roman, the director of the fictional stab three that takes place the film they're making within scream three is the murderer he is ghostface and it turns out he's ghostface because he's sydney prescott's half brother um when maureen prescott was a young woman she had a brief career as a uh, also ran in some b movies and she went to some industry party and was assaulted and became pregnant with roman and when roman found his birth mother years later uh she already had her family with sydney and was like get out of here and that ruined him and so he put Billy Loomis and Stu Mocker on a, a path on a quest. for murder. Yeah. Uh, directors. And it wasn't hard. Directors. So that's, that's you know, I like his motivation as like the I'm mad that my half sister is super famous for not getting murdered. I don't know that I need him to be the reason that Billy Loomis like became a murderer. Yeah. Became Billy Loomis. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. And they definitely don't really speak to that. In five and six, like, no, the only, gets to just kind of be. Yeah, they kind of bury the retcon. Yeah, uh, I've seen some people calling for justice for Roman, which I do think is funny. He's, he's the <laughs> only <laughs> the only solo ghost face. And somewhere Aww. Polanski's well, they, cheering. They do have. Uh, they give. Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> they give Hayden, Hayden Panettiere a joke about it in six about how you know credit where credit's due. He's the only one who did it by himself mm, <laughs> or that something is funny. like that. Yeah, it's a good joke. Um, but yeah, he's he's got an interesting motive, and it is like. Again, it's the only one where, like, the motive is directly tied into, like, the nature of movie making and, like, sort of this larger ecosystem that exists around Scream and yeah, its that he fictional himself counterpart is the stab. human collateral of yeah. the, the poison, you yeah. know, dream factor. Yeah. Yeah. And what's wild is, like, we have Scream 4, and Scream 4 reveals that in the interim, there have been, like, another three stab movies. I think they're up to, like, five or six. Yeah. When they make Scream 4. Which in true Hollywood fashion is absolutely the thing they would do. Yeah. Correct. Just keep making the movies. Yeah. It doesn't matter that they had a director like murder a bunch of people. Uh, just thinking including of Including the, the producer. Bojack Horseman Thoughts and Prayers episode. It's just, yeah. I mean, that's exactly. Thoughts and Prayers. <laughs> Moving on. Let's go. It really is, though. Like, and I, because it's a slasher movie and they know nobody's like doing a deep dive not every well i mean i shouldn't say nobody not everyone is a freak like us and doing a deep dive rewatch between entries so they have to like keep you know the lore light right like and i, I think it's it's wise for the screen movies to not be too referential to past entries mm-hmm. i think it's a strength of the franchise mm-hmm. but it is weird you do kind of want four to acknowledge the world a little bit more of like wow, these movies are still super popular and yet like, and they kept making them after the events of Scream 3. Bizarre. Uh, I like Scream 4 a lot. Um, just this sort of, uh, 
Um, you know, legacy sequels aren't a thing yet, but reboots and remakes mm-hmm. definitely are. And so it it's interesting. It has to make Scream 5 before the runway is like fully there for Scream 5 yeah. to exist. It's an interesting film. Uh, you, you you have seen four, Dustin? I have seen four. Yes. Yeah, I think I, it's. Really, I like it a lot. I, I saw really it in theaters, good. man. Yeah. Do you yeah. like Roman? Do I like Roman? No. I mean, as a ghost face, he's a killer. I no, no. no, no but I, I'm you know Team I mean. Life. Um, <laughs> You're pro. <laughs> I'm fine for not killing people. Don't don't pigeonhole me, sucker. Um, <laughs> words are hard sometimes, but no. Um, I think I think he's an interesting character. I think he's. Yeah. I, I I like the motivation. I I also hate the retcon because I'm. We don't need it. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's an interesting idea for a director to direct others into murder. Like you, it is. Be yeah. like a guy in the chair, sort of yeah. puppet master, chess master with that. But then, if he's going to be that masterful, why is he not involved in two? You know, it's like either go hard or go home. You know, and you I, either have to retcon the whole series or not bother yeah. to retcon it. Yeah, yeah. And, and and so that, that 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 the slightness for me is not so much. I don't need Billy Loomis to have his button pushed i mean that's fine in fact that could make some sense the 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 problem for me is that okay well then you're still after your sister though right so why not and let's get you know something else yeah you never got a phone call from billy loomis's mom like what's up you didn't you didn't try and team up right yeah yeah so uh that that for me doesn't he got real mad when he found out he was she was raising ladybird out in uh (laughs) southern california But what I really was thinking a lot about, though, uh, to to shift gears yet again, is the idea of true crime itself Mm -hmm. as an industry that makes so much money. That this is really prescient there. Yeah, and And they bring it up in some of the new. I think it's five. They make it you know, true crime limited miniseries is where it's at right now. Mm -hmm. So like this, this definitely does like almost like know what's coming because true crime in the two thousands is like the new detectives on Discovery Channel. Yeah. The, the guys get forensic caught. Files yeah, are, yeah. Exactly. forensic files. Yeah, it's that kind of stuff. It's not well. It's not the uh, Dahmer series that Netflix just dropped. Yeah, yeah. Which is you know fraught, you know, with ethical questions and you know profiting off. Truly, the last disaster. five to ten years of true crime media is mm-hmm. fraught with yes. complications of ethics, big time. I mean, that's like anything a, that centers the killer. Yeah, is Pro- ethically confusing. Yeah. And should probably have had more conversations around and it. we don't need another Jeffrey Dahmer thing. No, we Do really we? don't. No, I look, I get it. I like Evan Peters, too. I want to see him be interesting, compelling characters, but I don't know that we need to, like... I don't know. I didn't see... I'm I'm, I'm trying to, like, not have an opinion about the Dahmer thing, because I haven't seen it. No, it's, but it's, I've heard enough to know that, it's like... It's super compelling. Yeah. It's, I'm just saying we've really watched it. Heavily, Dahmer's been played out. It's like Dahmer's POV, like, primarily, right? Mm-hmm, yes. Yeah, it's pretty weird. But that being said, uh, I'll be home in the dark is the other side yeah. of that that same coin. Yeah. That that part of that research and that work to you know yeah. name the Sacramento killer is part of what ended up motivating his capture, which yeah. is sure. metal. Yeah, and I love that. But yeah, yeah. I don't. So know. it's where's that line? What right. is that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very interesting. And and, and again, this. I mean, this is two thousand. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. we, we're just sort of like, oh, you remember how much we miss unsolved mysteries. And then there are these series that sort of come back from that. And it was like, let's not do the paranormal thing. Let's not do the, you know, Ouija board readings or aliens. Let's just do this murder bad, and kidnapping, murders and kidnappings yeah. and, and, and just tell Real people. things. And, and, and again, in that sense, in the aughts, it was still telling their stories. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, again, the sort of consumable murder insofar as the bad guys caught by the end. And we might remember more 
the bad guy. Well, they make a prelude almost by accident, like Discovery Channel and and sort of this like larger ecosystem of of cable true crime shows, like kind of accidentally paves the way for you know CSI and sort of this this new wave of police you know mm-hmm. fictional police procedurals which obviously mm-hmm. that's been around since the 50s sure. uh, yeah colombo yeah, yeah yeah but like this sort of you know this late 90s early 2000s wave of unsolved mysteries america's most wanted like definitely i, I think anyway it seems to like it's just conversations about dna analysis and you know semen at the crime scene like mm-hmm. the, these sorts of like ideas start to proliferate throughout culture and, and make their way into csi by the year you know oh two oh three right i don't think it's interesting all right. Um, other analytical handles we want to hit on screen three. Uh, violence is, in cinema is a big deal right now, Roman. Just just a line that gets said that mm-hmm. made me laugh really hard uh, when the studio is talking about whether or not they have to shut down the movie. And uh, it is interesting how much those conversations haven't really changed. That's, that's a Columbine line, I think, in 2000. Yeah. Well, it's... I don't, don't know. you think? That whole idea where were those two shooters motivated by that? Yeah, I mean, but I mean, they're already having that discussion in one, right? I mean, that's a totally big mm-hmm. part of that ending monologue with oh, uh, right. Billy yeah, and Stu. Makes is, killers more yeah. creative. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, it's already kind of in the cultural conscious. You know, Tipper Gore's already been doing that. Yeah, the dangers of hip hop. You know, <laughs> like those two things are mm-hmm. kind of. And the funniest thing in the lo- my life was hearing Bob Dole yeah. name the band Cannibal Holocaust. I think, have we gotten Goldeneye yet? Have we got the first person shooter yet by 96? That's out. Oh, yeah, big time yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, you know, definitely all that's... When Columbine goes down, like, they're playing that's a big, Doom, you know, and other yeah. first, early first person shooters is, like, yeah. part of it. Yeah. yeah. So, I think it's already kind of in the cultural consciousness, but it's a it's a thing that again, gets revisited every few years, right, is... And as a factor, a feature of pretty much every screen movie, I think almost all of them like deal with this idea of like filmed violence, violence and like cinema. how it, yeah, yeah, violence in cinema and whether or not it has any real world consequences. And I think that it's, I mean, this is the franchise to be concerned with those questions and to be asking those questions for sure. Um, I don't know. Do is it even worth talking about? How there's a lot of research that says probably not any uh, I mean, correlation other than saying that yeah i mean we've we talk about it on the show a lot so i, I don't ever know if we should always be revisiting that idea when it myth comes up. busted myth busted yeah S- significantly a bunch of times i agree it's it seems counterintuitive you would think there would be more link and i kind of agree but uh no nah, i mean you know the research is out there and it pretty mm-hmm. much I think shows the bigger no concern may be becoming desensitized to the violence right yeah mm-hmm. and like, that i think is interesting and, right and you, that's what i wonder about like the way we do true crime not even just true crime but the way we like cover a mass shooting yeah it's mm-hmm. like there is this sort of sensational element that is just like so re-traumatizing again and again and again and again yeah. every time something bad happens yeah that i think you're right i think the desensitization to the loss of human life is like the bigger issue yeah yeah, yeah. that more so than like a portrayal of arterial spray or whatever yeah. um pop culture is the politics of the 21st century which is something that uh one of gail the, weathers something that somebody says to gail or no yeah it's what uh, gail says tom the actor says yeah. gail said on her show that's right uh, right before he roasts her for implying he was inebriated for his car crash. Uh, gotcha think, journalism and yeah, it says, phony headlines. This movie's and, like ahead of the curve a lot. Well, that's yes. the great thing about Gail, right? She's so focused on being a Pulitzer Prize journalist, and she's <laughs> relegated to entertainment media. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not a serious journalist in the least, even though she's written best-selling books. Mm-hmm. And, like, 
I think that's kind of the constant crawl on her, her saddle is that no one will take her serious. She missed out on 60 minutes, too. <laughs> no one's going to buy her. <laughs> buy. What it, what it, like, she's <laughs> constantly seeking the dragon so she could be legitimized in her eyes, I think. Yeah. And so, but popular culture, is it the politics? It certainly drives politics in a way now. It probably did in the 2000s. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm so curious. You know, this is the thing you and I, Dustin and I kind of look at a lot is the cultural literacy of the younger generation, mm-hmm. you know, which is seemingly non-existent, mm-hmm. at least in the small sample size we've dealt with, you know, young 18, 19 year olds don't seem to watch movies. They don't seem to watch a lot of TV shows. They don't have those same reference points. And so I don't know how much, maybe in 2000, you know, I think pop culture was probably a lot more of our yeah political space, you know, and there's a lot of blurred lines. I mean, presidents are showing up in media a lot more and media figures are becoming politicians. Yeah. Yeah. Globally. And yeah. that's not just a here problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, that's something that's happened throughout Europe as well. So I mean, it is. What, Schwarzenegger's governor by 2000. Is that yeah. timeline sure, right? Sure. Yeah. Sounds about right. yeah, he was. So it is. When, did you know he met Schwarzenegger? What? You've met. Arnie? He, he went through the he wasn't governor yet, but he was um coming through the Capitol when I was a page for the Senate. Oh okay. and I shook his hand. Nice to meet you, that's all he said. Great. That's my entire Was he uh, big? How big is he? He was he's really big. Was he like six one? Yeah, he shook my hand and went all the way up to my elbow. Famously a maybe lying now Arthur. <laughs> Arthur I'm glad you I'm glad you asked though, because Arnie, famously a maybe lying about his height guy. I don't know if you knew this. May, a guy that's maybe been juicing his his stats by an inch or two for his entire life, and so nobody really knows how tall he is because he's always been like, oh yeah, like six one, six two, when he's maybe, maybe. closer to five ten, five eleven. That's such yeah. a bodybuilding. I mean, that's a big pro wrestling thing, right? Right. Like, yeah. Adding you know, an inch Undertaker's or two. Yeah. Like six eight. Build High school it, basketball seven, one, for or crying out loud. But yeah. yeah. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. They do that. They fudge stats all the time. It's funny. That is hilarious. But um, no, no. that fifth grader seven foot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't run out there and measure them, so you got to kind of take them at their word. Yeah. And if you wear lifts in your boots or you stand on a milk crate, you know, you do what you do. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah. What were we talking about? Uh, you know, politics is pop culture, politics, pop culture, and and how the two inter have become intertwined in the 21st century. Which, again, like we are by some definitions not even into the 21st century, uh, when Mm -hmm. this film is released. If you, you know, if you count 2001 as the start of it, Mm uh, people are weird. I don't know why you would start there. You can if you want. That's how math works, but yeah, yeah, but you know, not how the human mind works, unfortunately, right? Um, anyway. So it's it's weird, like, how prescient this film is, you know, almost 25 years later, mm-hmm. we're looking at it and seeing, like, all these ways in which it kind of predicts the next 20 years of pop culture to come without, like, quite knowing how to talk about it because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, right. we ta- you know, we talked about that a lot when we talked about one is, you know, Craven Williamson, they've always seemed to kind of have their finger on the pulse mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and could understand maybe where things were going to go in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just observation or dumb luck you know witchcraft but, i think yeah probably prognostication is that the word 
I know neither of you guys are uh, Chapa Trap House people, but this is this is what, what? it is. Chapa huh? Trap House is a it's a politics podcast. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard the title. Yeah, yeah. I thought you might have. I got really confused. I was like, I don't listen to it. Is that I don't a barbecue think, joint? No. <laughs> I thought I, it was. A, I thought Trapo Chop House is a barbecue spot. No. <laughs> I thought it was just kind of a lo-fi music. Is what I thought it might be. <laughs> That's yeah, funny. I did too. Yeah. Uh, no, the reason I bring it up is because one of their hosts uh, has this idea of the movie mindset and is actually doing like a, a mini series now on their Patreon about it. But uh, again, the movie mindset, this idea that like movies are more real than reality. Mm. And like because of that, they can influence reality in weird ways. And they're they are, you know, kind of like uh, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness through these weird messages fired back into time from the future in some ways. And anyway, it's just it's just kind of mm. like, let's get a little esoteric and weird about how we think about cinema and it's how it relates to pop culture and, I'm done and with politics that. yeah i'm i'm not somebody who normally gives to successful patreon that's one of the most successful patrons patreons that's out there is those guys but i'm curious about this series the first one's free and it was uh, about tony vision which of course is going to mm. appeal to you arthur because tony vision is of course tony scott vision uh Let's go. so they, yeah they looked at deja vu and uh, man on fire nice and uh, sort of the post 2001 elements of those films mm. yeah and that's Man, I wonder what a Scream 3 that comes after 9-11 looks like is a question that you kind of have to ask. I don't know. It's a different film for sure. Well, I saw Red Eye. Yeah, I guess maybe that's it. Which is very much his 9-11 movie, right? Yeah, Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. I agree. So he he did get to make one for sure. And again, Scream 4 is, you know, the real... Now we're in the deep. We're a decade into the 21st century. Like, yeah. what do we say about slasher movies no. right now? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's hard for me to not talk about this film because you know four, he makes four right after. You know, not right after this, but it's his last film, and like it feels. I don't know. Like so much of what's going on in three and five is like four sits in the middle and like is kind of this this really important linchpin. For, like, Williams and even comes back on four. That's what I thought. Is yeah. he's mm-hmm. he's not the sole credit? He's writer producer. But... Yeah, is he the only credit screenwriter? I thought there were a couple on four for some reason. Yeah, he's credited. He's only credited one. Oh, okay. On wow, my bad. Yeah. yeah, I for some reason was misremembered. So they got the band back together is what they did. Well, and yeah. it worked. Which is, and I mean, that's why and it's the return it's to so Woodsboro. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. Four is. Um, yeah, it is. Have you seen Sick? Have you watched that yet? Sick? Yeah, it's on Peacock. It's Williamson. He's screenplay. No. It's a, no. It's a, uh, it's a uh, COVID slasher. It's, uh, oh, I know about this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I huh. forgot it's called Sick. But yeah. yes, I do know about this. It's supposed be, to be pretty good. Yeah, it's solid. Yeah. Yeah. Got some fun stuff in it. I like Williamson. So did I'd you know curious. Williamson created the following? I did. That's cool too. I did. I, I hadn't actually registered to say that word at all this entire show. I've been watching the following in the office quite a bit. Oh yeah, and uh, uh, with one of my students um, particularly, and uh, it's very very good. And uh, but yeah, no, I did not. I, I did know that, but no, did did I connect that dot to this conversation? No. It's interesting to think about this franchise, and you know, you guys are talking about sort of the modern teen and how they're a little less like plugged into film culture than, you know, millennials and Gen Xers were. And it makes me think about scream six is this great opening line from Ghostface, where Ghostface kind of growls, who gives a fuck about movies. And mm-hmm. like, it really is interesting to like watch scream as a franchise still be catering towards teens because like what you can't, what are you going to do? Make a slasher movie that's not directed towards teens and horror freaks? Like that's who watches these movies, yeah, right? So even if teens aren't like the main movie going public anymore, they're still who slasher movies are for. And Scream Six like kind of has to deal with this idea that film literacy, or at the very least, like film culture, does not kind of like weirdos are into movies. And that's kind of what I like about Scream Five and Six is they kind of get into this idea that like 
film knowledge is like getting even more niche. Like the Randy is like a a a, a, t- a telling of things to come. The, the mm-hmm. movie weirdo is not quite like locked in. You know, well, the, the the, he's, he's a yet. slasher weirdo. You know, that's yeah, exactly. that, that's his like his. Yeah. he's not a movie guy. But he's yeah. he's he's a, he's a well, horror guy. And his I mean, his niece and nephew by five and six are kind of like movie people in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Randy works at a video store. Yeah. You know, we have... Whereas Five Ch- reckons a little bit... You know, there's some references to Netflix, right? Because they're watching the stab movies on yeah. Netflix. There's a letterboxed um, joke in Six. Yeah, but that idea of these films haven't really reckoned with, A, the the rise of streaming. Sure. And the glut of co- quote-unquote content. Uh-huh. Uh, it also hasn't really reckoned with the death of the, the video store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think those two things are really the major impacts on film literacy. You know, we mm-hmm. don't, you know, parents, you know, families don't go out on Friday night to the blockbuster anymore or whatever the right. association mm-hmm. is you have. Well, we rent together a movie with popcorn and, and sit yeah. down on, you know, mm-hmm. the one VCR yeah. on the one TV. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Now everybody's got a device. You can watch whatever you want, mostly YouTube videos or TikTok reels or, you know, whatever media you're into. Um, and there's just such a glut of non-important stuff on Netflix, on Hulu, on Prime. Mm-hmm. You know, there's jokes about the new Prime series from the Russos. You know, 200 million went into the series that I don't even know the name of. Right. Citadel. Yeah. <laughs> I had to right. go to my mind palace oh, for that one. Yeah, Think that about, isn't, you know, yeah. the cultural influence of Citadel. That's yeah. going to be non-existent in a month. God, I hate the Russo brothers so much. They right. just can't stop coming out here saying they the stupidest stuff. They community, and here we are. Yeah, totally. Um, and so it's, it's wild in which... There's inundated with material. It's hard to parse to know what to watch or when to watch or mm-hmm. what's mm-hmm. good. And the I think loss of the video store culture as well. Mm-hmm. I think both speak to the. Th- this is our. I mean, this is our okay boomer. I mean, really, this whole knowledge of movies kind of thing. Yeah. You know, we we talked about uh, city slickers millions of years ago. It feels like, mm-hmm. and we were talking about their sort of granular knowledge of baseball. Yeah, being that's for the American pastime as far yeah. as the sport goes, and it seems that what we have now there are baseball heads out there, but there and are, it's coming back now. That there's a shot clock, basically, yeah, which is kind of fun. Yeah, um, but there uh, there's a pitch clock now, and there's between the pitches you only have so much time. Really, now. baseball yeah. is like having a moment right now. Yeah, it's Aww. it's been great. Interesting. Go Rangers. Uh, anyway, uh, and they're doing really well. Um, nonetheless, you just jinxed them. I know. That's, well, baseball's they, nothing if not uh, superstitious. That's right. Hey, we've been great before the All Star break my whole life. Anyway, um, and then and then there's Down another the half a season. Yeah, and sometimes we know the series, and then there's another ninety games. I know. Just, anyway, <laughs> uh, the problem here is that you know they know that kind of thing, and that that culture is being lost, and they're sort of. And I think we're experiencing you know much younger. But we're experiencing the same kind of thing. Is there used to be a time in which all this stuff yeah. mattered, and now it doesn't, and we're trying to figure out how to be relevant. Well, there's also again. such. I mean, and this is such a '90s thing, right? In that postmodern movement between Animaniacs, The Simpsons, Tiny Toon Adventures, every Big other time. TV show, SpongeBob, SpongeBob, yeah. that I learned so much about. The, you know, I'd seen so much of Citizen Kane. I'd seen so much of It's a Wonderful Life. I'd seen so much of A, B, and C. Because of these other shows, that totally. I knew the references, I knew the bits, I knew basically, you know, plot outlines, and could you know then go back and be like, oh, now I get it, now I get the full picture. But I, mm-hmm. I had reference points, and I don't know that the media that we put out now, you know, the kind of loss of the Saturday morning cartoon, right? The loss of 
those sorts. I mean, you've got, I, I guess, Family Guy still in the air. I don't know, mm-hmm. right? You know, you've got some of those sort of irreverent shows, but they, did, I don't think they have that same DNA. So mm-hmm. I was exposed to so much classic music, film, literature, you know, through these series that again, just don't seem to be available unless you stumble across the Simpsons on Disney plus or whatever. Right. I remember watching Casablanca in the middle nineties. I was 14, 15 years old. Probably first time I watched Casablanca and I was like, Oh, that's where that line comes from. Yeah. I also don't know over and over and over and over again. Did I see carrot Blanca first or Casablanca? I absolutely saw carrot. Right. It was also the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure. I mean, Rugrats was huge on this too. They had a yeah. bunch of riffs on classic mm-hmm. films. Yeah, Indiana Jones. I mean, there's yeah. some Tommy Pickles doing Indiana kind of stuff. And yeah. yeah. So it's it is interesting. Like this sort of, you know, there's there's this moment where television becomes mass media, and like obviously that starts to eat into movies, but it takes a few decades for that to really kind of take off. I mean, that's that's a big reason the road show becomes a thing. Is like you need to like have a movie that you couldn't possibly show in the home experience. Like the home the home experience couldn't possibly compare to the road show experience. So like it's it's interesting that like TV becomes this monoculture and by the time we get to the end of the 20th century like it's already fractured because there's even with you know before the advent of streaming there's already cable and satellite and like there's more and more content and you know more and more niche interests and so it's it's weird I don't know you're right though Arthur like there is still a moment in the 70s 80s and 90s where like there's a unified children's culture like even if you don't have cable there's still like uh, WB and and Fox are running things for children on Saturday mornings, and yeah, it's just not really you know it's just really not a thing anymore. I mean, Nickelodeon's still around, still has Nicktoons, but like those animation houses are like bleeding employees. They're they're cleaning house yeah. over there, and I don't know world. how much of Nickelodeon stuff is just live action. You know, Drake and Josh, it's cheaper stuff. You know, yeah, I mean, they're, they're I don't know what pivoting. the shows are now. I, I can't give you any titles, but I know they're doing more live action stuff over yeah. there right now because it is, it is cheaper. cheaper. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's interesting, yeah. I, I don't know, Dustin. You're right. It's I struggle to know how to talk about it without us going into too much of an OK Boomer like mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm, I don't care. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine with me too. Yeah, yeah. Like, they don't have to know my stuff. They don't it's have to just know a movies. weird shift, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and the We're things that happen. Yeah, I think, and I think for both of us, I think it's the thing where we thought we probably could make a connection. Yeah that's not there to make the connection. Yes, it's disappointing almost. It's yeah. like we kept up and we had our moment, you know, in the you know, as, as coming up high school graduation. Yeah. You know, and it's like we had that and was like we're going to keep doing this and we're going to be there and that that and we're not. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's probably been a you know, we we should have seen coming that film was going to be less important to culture. Mm-hmm. Um like it, it's way less important than you know, even 20 years ago it was less important than it had been in the 50s but like the really the the speeding up of it like it's Mm -hmm. become so much more of a only tent poles are are doing business right now Mm -hmm. nothing else can make a you know a dent at the box office and it really is an interesting time and again i am so interested in the success of these new scream movies because it is a post postmodern slasher franchise for an audience you know made by Millennial. I mean, the radio silence people are yeah. about our age. They're in their mid to late thirties, I think. Yeah. So it's made by millennials for Gen Zers, and it's trying about the Gen X slasher movie made by a boomer. 
mm-hmm. right? So it is this like this game of telephone from one generation to another. Yeah. We've all going all the way back to Wes Craven, who's you know he's he's a baby boomer. Right? Yeah, he's totally a boomer. He's yeah. like yeah, fifties baby, I think. I, I would say that yeah, yeah, forties, fifties baby. So it's it's going back to Wes and like this mm-hmm. this cabal of seventies exploitation filmmakers, and we're trying to like clue in this new generation of people who like kind of go to the movies, but like cinephilia is like a dirty word and like mm-hmm. that's weird weirdos are into movies yeah like, take penicillin for yeah. that yeah exactly mm-hmm. and then, again there's a really funny letterbox joke in scream six yeah. that i love and like five and six are kind of both aware of like film culture and this this number one this decrease in the importance of film culture but then on the same token this kind of the rise of like people who are like media heads mm-hmm. and like this weird world we live in where everybody has like this kind of knowledge about the entertainment industry, regardless of what they actually do in their life. <laughs> right. And it doesn't make any sense that the the average person knows as much as the average person does about media franchises. Chase Momoa. Yeah. Just, well, or Sony Marvel produ- co-production deals. Yeah. 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 Right. Like who gets Spider-Man? Yeah. Yeah. Like lots of people who don't know as much about cinema as the three of us do know about those deals and like mm-hmm. the intricacies of like how that worked out. And it's very odd. And uh, it's it's not the same thing as like film culture, but it's related. Yeah, and it, it kind of all does tie back into that. Gail Weathers, pop culture is the politics of the twenty first century. Like we do live live in a weird moment where culture is like getting flattened, and where discourse is getting flattened. But culture is like a, there's a mountain of it. You can never get through all of it, even if you tried. Right. So it's it's a weird moment to even know how to how to talk about media because so much of it's in flux. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we need to bring this train into we the absolutely uh, station. absolutely have to, um, yeah. Now we're just talking about, like, the state of movies. we got to get out of here. <laughs> Render a verdict. Shelf or trash? Scream 3, Arthur, go. Yeah, Shelf. I mean, this is the my horror franchise, and I love all of these movies dearly, and it's the one kind of franchise that I will try to be there as close to opening night as I can for the foreseeable future. And, I, yeah, 3 is going on a shelf amidst the whole collection, but I do... I think see it more fond than some people do. Mm-hmm. What do you say, Dalton? Yeah, I mean, unless you want to have a subscription to Paramount Plus for the rest of your days, uh, you're going to need to get this one on the shelf so you can watch all of the Scream films mm-hmm. because there are no bad Scream. It's a films. good time. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have a great time at the movies. You just will. These movies fucking hit. I mean, especially the first two. But again, even this one like is really fun. And as Arthur said, like Arthur's warmer on it than I am, but. Arthur's love of it like makes me like the things I like about it even more. So yeah, no bad screen movies. Dustin, what about you? Is this is this shelfable? Wes Craven is my slasher auteur, I think. Yeah, and so that. yeah, for sure, it's a shelf for me. I, I like Wes Craven in general, just what he does in mm-hmm. his mind and uh, his style. It just it it speaks to me. So yeah, yeah, um, I would say absolutely shelf it as well. So there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts on Scream Three. You can disagree. Dalton will tell you how. That's right. Do you give a fuck about movies? If you do, you can tell us at Good Trash. If you don't, why have you, <laughs> why are you you've wasted nearly an hour and a half of your time? What are you doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, let us know how you feel about the cinema. Uh, good Trash Genre Cast at gmail.com. That's Good Trash Genre Cast at gmail.com for your long form feedback. Anything movies, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Let us know what you're thinking. You can also keep up with us on social media at Good Trash Media on Twitter. Uh, we're not really active in anywhere else these days uh just over on elon's weird weird sinking ship um 
at Good Trash Media, links to podcast episodes, uh, film writing that we find interesting, uh, hot takes that make us laugh, uh, podcasts by people that we like and admire or work with, uh, whatever. Uh, whatever your pleasure is, you can keep up to date with what we're doing or thinking at Good Trash Media on Twitter. Last but certainly not least, uh, if you want to help us, look, we're going to get questioned for the, all these murders that keep happening around podcasts. I don't know if you know this, all these podcasts are about murders, and we're going to get questioned eventually. And, you know, it could be good for our careers. So uh, if you want to get in on the ground floor, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM and help us pay our hosting fees and find out what's in it for you. All kinds of fun stuff like getting a bargain bin grab uh, sent to you by us, uh, picking a movie for us to discuss for the show. Lots of fun perks. Patreon.com forward slash GTM for more info on that. Arthur, is this it? We're not doing a fifth week, right? We're, are we done with part three? We got three? one more. This is only the third. Oh, this is only the third one. Oh my god! Yeah, where ah, you been? We've I've got lost a track. fourth. What is the fourth one? I'm so sorry. A fourth part three. The fourth part three of part three. So part today three. was part three. Part three. Part three. Part three. Yeah, no, yeah. you got it. Okay, part three. Part three. Part four. Is yeah. next week's episode. Uh, well, next week's episode is is kind of fun. Uh, uh, this is the movie that just left theaters. Oh, it's Creed three. And it's actually a part six. Yes, I did it. Because next week, we take a look. Wait, no, I didn't. At Star Wars yep. Return of the Jedi. Yep, that's so funny. You really had me for a second. As soon as you said part six, I was like, wait a second. Oh, crap. No, Creed 3 is part nine, nine. or something. Yeah. yeah. Return of the Jedi, huh? Wow. Very good. That is very good. And a true trilogy capper in this case. Sort of. Kind of. Kind of. Maybe. Well, we've talked a lot today about franchises and uh, media, and I'm sure we'll have more of that bullshit next week <laughs> as we talk about the House of Mouse and all things Force. What a great advertisement. More of just what you already heard. There you go. You keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time. Thank you.